with Morgan streaking. She's trying to go. The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across him. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is episode 31 of Give and Go. I'm your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so, so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. We are live from Los Angeles, and of course, what a crazy Super Bowl we had just wrapped up, but we digress to the world of women's soccer first. If you want more, all the latest, latest news, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. Check us out on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network or on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. And of course, if you don't have to ever, if you don't want to ever have to worry about this show, you have iTunes, you have Siri, who you can ask to either play the latest episode, subscribe to the show, etc. And be sure to share this show with all of your friends, guys. Spread the word about Give and Go. Leave us a review, right? Let us know how we can improve as well. So be sure to do all that, get involved. Again, girlssoccernetwork.com is the best way to do that. So, or on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network. We are pleased to have a continuing partnership with World Strides Excels. They provide some of the best tours for soccer teams, specifically club soccer teams abroad, providing an all-around experience. Again, for more information on that, go to worldstrides.com. So before the draft, we did a, a nice little preview, spoke with Lori Lindsay, but now let's break down how the draft actually went. It was one for the ages. It is a truly great thing to see how things went down. Numerous teams were just shuffling, making moves, trading picks, trading players. Things were so active. When the draft is this exciting, particularly the first round, it's only going to make things better to create more brand moments with which the league can be associated with. So this draft in 2020 was historic for the league. Of course, we start at the top. No surprise, Sophia Smith declaring early. The Portland Thorns took her number one early on. Uh, but the surprise was actually the second pick. We know what the Thorns' issues have been offensively. So what do they do? They go up and trade for Morgan Weaver. Again, the pick was a little bit of a surprise because of who was still on the board. Yet, we know what Morgan Weaver did while at Washington State, helping that team get to its first ever Final Four. The Thorns must have really liked what she brings to the table. And what's great is one of our writers, Hannah, and the entire Girls Soccer Network crew was down at the National Coaches Convention in Baltimore where the draft was happening. So one of our writers, Hannah, got to speak with Morgan Weaver. Here is some audio that we collected where Hannah's just asking her a bunch of different questions on what it means to be drafted as well as how she's going to adjust to the league. Enjoy, guys. Here's Morgan Weaver on 
how it felt to be drafted by the Portland Thorns. Honestly, I was surprised. I had no clue. I mean, <laughs> it was amazing. That was one of the best feelings I've had. I mean, I was very nervous, mm-hmm. you know, shaking a little bit. When <laughs> I got course. up there, I was like, ah, uh, I kind of froze for a second. And I was like, it's fine. You're good. Just say what you need to say. And, you know, I just imagined talking to one person and just trying to look over the crowd. <laughs> and ended up coming out just fine. Now, Morgan Weaver is a Washington State native through and through, grew up a Rain fan, but now she's playing for the rival of Portland Thorns. Here are her thoughts on her new team. You know, I'm very excited. I mean, I'm from Tacoma, Washington, University Place area, so I mean, not too far, two and a half hours away. So, you know, it's always been like, rain, go rain, you know, like, I mean, it's just there. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. The rain is for 10 minutes from my house. And, you now know. you're playing for the rival. Oh, I'm so excited, though. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have traded it anything. You know, the fans for the Thorns are just amazing. Like, yesterday, I was walking to go back into the room, and some fans stopped me, and they ended up giving me a scarf, and, like, we took pictures, and I was just like, I already feel at home. Like, That's amazing. And I haven't even, like, I've never experienced a Portland game myself, but, like, I've always watched on TV, and I'm like, that looks amazing. Those fans yeah. are amazing, and, you know, it's always a thing, like, you can't say go Portland, and, like, <laughs> Seattle, you know, you can't, but, oh, I'm so excited to rub it in everyone. Go Portland! My dad, he's so excited. It's going to be so much fun. One of the main reasons Morgan Weaver was on so many teams' radars was the fact that she led Washington State to the Final Four as essentially their star player. Here's more on playing with her teammates and what the run they went on meant to her. I think one thing that helped us with the success was honestly, no matter what happens between people, it could be some drama, anything. It could be like, I don't like you today. You know, it could be anything. (laughs) When we stepped onto that field, nothing mattered. It was, you're my best friend, and we're doing this together, and we're going to win. And it didn't matter, and I think that was one of the biggest things. You know, that it's girls. You always get in fight. It's just girls, how it is. And, you know, I think towards the end, I've never seen my team get closer. And we were the closest we've ever I, – Ella and I were talking about this last night. We didn't want it to end. We were like, I, this is amazing. Like, we're all best friends right now. Like, I mean, we always are, but, like – we were just so close and like no one wanted to not hang out with each other like yeah. and I mean everyone's back home back in school and I'm like I miss you guys like <laughs> I'm not even on the team anymore technically but like I miss you guys I need to ha- like I don't see them every day like my best friend Sydney I'm like um can we hang out she's like yeah of course cause she's a year younger than me and I'm like yeah. I need to see you I miss you <laughs> I feel like you're the one, you're an alumni where people are not going to mind you coming back for years and years to come. You can be hanging around. I hope so. (laughs) You know, honestly, for me, I felt the whole season, I was like, we're good. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about anything. I don't care if we're playing Virginia. uh, It doesn't matter. (laughs) And then, you know, we kind of went on a little rocky road for a minute. And then I remember playing Utah, Colorado, and I was like, we're changing this around, everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, the amount of fun we had with each other, like, this team is not serious for like the first like hour before a game like I'm not even kidding you in the locker room we're dancing like I brought a wig one time we (laughs) danced with a wig on like and I was like this our team's back like we're back and we're ready to go and then you know we ended up losing to UW that one I mean sucks but that was something that everyone was kind of an eye-opener like what we shouldn't have lost that game you know it was like okay like we need to pick it back into gear and you know Todd always pushes us to be the best and he said you guys haven't really done anything great this year yet when are you going to show me something great 
and we're all like, oh, we're going to show you something great. <laughs> and like That you did. That you did. We just did not stop. And going into that Virginia game, the, ma- the loudness on that bus, the singing, getting into the locker room, dancing, singing, the amount of TikToks that were going on, like just everything. I was just like, oh, we're fine. We're going to win. Like, I wasn't nervous at all. Going into West Virginia, I was, like, kind of nervous because I was like, I hope our heads aren't big. Just something you think about, you know? It's like, I don't want our heads to be big. Please don't be big. And I stepped on that field. I was like, oh, we're fine. We got this. (laughs) South Carolina, same thing. I mean, like, I walked onto those fields, and I was like, I don't have a doubt in my mind that we're going to win this game. Even North Carolina, I mean, credit to them. They had two amazing goals. It still sucks to this day. You got that ball rolling. I think everybody was like, oh, my gosh. I was like. going to keep going. We were like, we're not stopping. And I think that's the thing about Washington State is no matter what the score is, you don't stop. Mm -hmm. Like, you keep pushing yourself. You keep going. It's like it's for our team and it's for our community. It's for the university. And the people back home are the best. I'm not kidding you. We got home from after the South Carolina game. And there was lines of people outside the airport waiting for us, cheering for us, the news was there. I mean, it's just something you just dream of. And then we got back from the Final Four, and I mean, going to the Final Four, we had a police escort. And Ella, I'm not even kidding you, all the senior girls are like, that's one thing we want is a police escort. All the Team fo- goals at the yeah, beginning of season. Literally. Well, all the football players, we always see football right. teams getting, you know, right. we ended up staying with Clemson in South Carolina. They stayed at the same hotel. I'm like, you just see police escorts. And I'm like, we want that. Yeah. And then we ended up getting it. And we we're all like, yeah, <laughs> this is so real. And yeah. I mean, it was so much fun. I wouldn't have changed anything. Oh, Even the outcome of North Carolina, you know, you always wish you can go back and change it. But like, I honestly believe everything happens for a reason, and I honestly think maybe losing that game was a reason. And, you know, I'm hoping that this team next year, they should go out and hopefully they make it right back and win that championship. And that's something I can't wait to go and watch. Like, yeah. Finally, here's Morgan Weaver talking about what motivates her most when she's out on the pitch. For me, I honestly just step out on that field and say anyone on this field can do anything. And I tell myself, like, if these girls, some of the girls on our team, you know, they don't play. And, and they're troopers. They're amazing. They're the best people out there because they're still constantly cheering for us. I'm like, if they're out here, they would work as just as hard as I would. And, like, I don't think sometimes they get enough credit for that. And I think because of them, I look at myself and I'm like, I'm doing this for them. Like, wow. I want to win. I want them also to have that feeling. Like, I, I don't, you know, they, and, like, some people know that they're not going to play some games. And it's like it's stressful and it's frustrating. I mean, I've had many talks with people about them not playing and I just tell them, you know, you just got to keep your head up. Like you got to keep trying for what you want. You got to keep working, performing. And I was like, watch film, watch, do stuff, do the little extra things. You know, for me, like my freshman year, I was happy with how we ended up, but I wasn't happy at the same time. You know, we only made it, we didn't make it the tournament. And that spring, my coach was like, I want you to bring it to the next level. And I was like, okay. And I didn't know what he meant at first because I took it to a whole nother level because I was doing extra sprints after. I, I was, and we were doing so much conditioning that I think that was the most fit I've ever been. And he was like, I didn't mean like that. I meant like <laughs> technically, like, you know, like getting a little, like, a little more serious about things. Like we need to focus on different aspects of your game. I was like, oh. I was just doing running and like thought I, he meant like working out more, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't that. But I mean like just little things I feel like can help anyone and just talking. I think 
for me, like, talking to people is a big thing. And, like, I've always reached out to people and, like, hey, like, how are you doing? Like, how's everything? Are you okay? Like, some girls can't, they don't understand, like, sometimes you can't play a game. You know, like, there's a course starting 11. Like, sometimes, like, if a starter gets hurt and that person steps up and the starter comes back, the starter's not starting anymore. Like, that person is in that role. And it's, like, those people, even if you're not 1 through 11, if you're 11 through 30, they're the most important people on your team. I think, personally, yeah. like, what would you do without them? Yeah. Nothing. Right. You couldn't do anything. You get hurt, you're done. Yeah. I think, you're everyone, very modest. I think everyone in my family, honestly, like, to my <laughs> mom, dad, sister, to my aunt and uncles, to grandma and grandpas, I think everyone kind of helped me, you know. I've learned a lot through, like, college soccer as well. Like, I didn't realize, you know, like, my first year, I didn't realize what it meant. I was mm -hmm. like, I just want to win. I didn't really understand that you have to become a family, you have to do all this stuff. And then I was like talking to John, and I was like, John, like I don't want to play soccer anymore. Mm. I hate it. I don't want to be here. I'm gonna quit. When was this? My freshman year, spring. Really? It's spring. You know, it's not fun. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. I mean, you don't play games. You play a few games, but it's mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. You have to drive. You can't. You know, it's not fun. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I hate it. I'm not doing this anymore I'm gonna quit and he's like no you can't quit he's like just try to give it like a little bit like you know go through the spring and see what happens I was like I don't want to do this I was like I just going through a hard time in my life for me I felt like and I was like I don't want to do it I want to quit he's like no just try and I was like fine whatever like shut shove him off you know 18 year old like whatever John <laughs> whatever you say you know and then I really was like why would I quit a game that I love, something that I love? And I was like... That's giving you a family. Or... Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, forget that. I'm not quitting. And then I told... Like, even to this day, like, John's, like, been a huge help with everything in my life. He knows everything about me. I've talked to him about everything. And I'm like, because of that moment, I could have quit soccer. And knowing that, like, I almost did... Like, I even told my mom about it. I was mm -hmm. like, I don't want to play anymore. Like, I don't want to do it. And she's like, well, if that's your decision, you know, like, that can be your decision. And I was like... Like, well, I don't know if you should, like, just base it off, like, the spring, you know. Right. It's all so hard. And I was like, yeah. And you also, we had a huge snowstorm in Pullman. So that wasn't <laughs> fun. You were sliding. Seasonal depression. You are literally sliding <laughs> all the way to class. It was, like, the worst thing ever. Like, worst <laughs> winter ever in Pullman. Classes got canceled. Like, and that never happens in Pullman, by the way. Classes <laughs> never get canceled. Even to this day. I've never had a class canceled besides maybe twice last year. And it was late start, so it wasn't technically canceled. But, I mean, I think that was a huge thing for me. And I was like, all these girls are here. And I had a blessing of being able to start every single game my freshman year. Yeah. Every single game. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm taking this for granted. Like, you know how many girls wish they could start for a college team? Yeah. And I'm like, I need to do better. Like. I can't have this mindset, and I think that really helped and changed everything. I was thinking about soccer, about my life, just what I wanted to do, and I was like, I'm going to go professional. I want to play professional. One of the other marquee picks of the first round, a player who we've had on our radar for quite some time, Zierra King, the first ever first round pick for the Utah Royals, going to be the perfect complement to Kristen Press and Amy Rodriguez. Again, a very fun-spirited player who can provide a little bit more offensively for the Royals, who we know are a very defensive-minded team. King was also one of the players we got to catch up with during the convention, and we also have audio with her. She's got some great answers 
Again, enjoy this Zierra King audio, guys. You want to listen to this. Now, Zierra King is the Utah Royals' first ever first-round draft pick. She's a very interesting story about how she celebrated it. Have a listen. Well, listen to this, actually. So I got in the car. My phone was completely blown up. I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't even want to look at this. So, like, where I paid to park, like, it was like, okay, you have 15 minutes to get out of the lot before your ticket expires. <laughs> so, of course, I got distracted sitting in the car. Um, so, when I got to put my ticket in, I had to pay again. So, that was a mess. But after I got home, I drove home. Drove and home? I, where's home? Jersey. Jersey. So I'm okay. from Jersey. Um, and I got in my bed, and I had some leftover pot roast. So, <laughs> what a celebratory dinner. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. <laughs> King also put into perspective how it felt to get drafted. Um, honestly, I really, like I was kind of saying, I really didn't have any expectations. Um, so I was just, you know what I mean, super excited to hear my name called in the first round. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Um, and honestly, like pure joy. Like, I, I can't even really explain it. Just super excited um, to see all this come to fruition. So King told our writer Hannah that she's pretty new to Utah as a whole. Here are her thoughts on being able to play now for the Utah Royals. I have never been to Salt Lake. Okay, I've only so been to first you. things first. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really know what to expect. I heard it's absolutely beautiful, so I'm excited about that. Um, I've only been to Provo, which I went last month for the NCAA tournament. So that was okay, the first time yeah. I've been there when we played at BYU. Um, and it was amazing. It was beautiful. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I'm it was a little like it. foreshadowing. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> like literally after um, after the draft, my one of my teammates' moms texted me and she was like, how crazy is it that like your last chapter ended in Utah and your next chapter is going to begin in Utah? And I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> Zierra King is entering a great situation alongside players like Kristen Press and Amy Rodriguez. Here are her thoughts on what she wants to achieve as a rookie with her new team. As a rookie, my goals would be, hmm, just to grow. Like, I feel like that's always my goal, um, just to be a better version of myself um, as a person and a player, and just to really just soak it all in and just enjoy, um, you know what I mean? Like, obviously taking this next next step, it's going to be challenging, and, and I know that, and I'm, I'm looking forward to embracing that struggle and that, and that um, challenge that I'm going to face. And so more than anything, I'm just excited, you know what I mean, to just learn the way and just get as much advice and learn as much as I can from, from the older, older players and just, you know what I mean, be a better player in person. King also talks about playing the ACC and what that meant for her chances in her pro career. She knew pretty early on that she wanted to go pro. Um, honestly, probably from the beginning of college, yeah. I kind of always had that mindset. Um, the the chance, I thank Tim for like, like I said, giving me that opportunity to play on such a big stage in the ACC. Um, that was like an amazing goal for me. And I knew like once I got there, like, you know what I mean? There, everybody else could see like what I've seen my whole life pretty much. So. Um, I was Every just, game is a battle in that conference. Yeah, like, absolutely. Definitely, well, one of the toughest conferences in the country. Definitely. So um, it was, you know what I mean, just from, from getting on that stage and performing, I was like, I think I can do this, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> Zierra King is known for being one of the more fun-spirited players in the class, always dancing, always smiling. But she has another side to her as well. She talks about it with our writer, Hannah. Honestly, I I can be both depending on, you know, how I'm feeling that day, what type of game it is, um, 
and just whatever my goal is for that day. I like to like set a goal, um, usually like either before practice or before a game and say, okay, like my goal for today is, you know what I mean? Like get more reps in with my left foot, like stuff like that. Um, so it just really depends. Um, but more often than not, I'm dancing. So <laughs> yeah, that's me. Would you say you're usually one of the better dancers on the team? You know, it's a funny story because... I know you're a very humble person, so you're not <laughs> going to say if you are, but... It's funny because, so I'm from Jersey, so people up there love to dance. Like, Jersey club music, people love it. Um, and so, when I was growing up, I was always the worst dancer. Like, I'm talking about... Everybody would be like, oh my gosh, you can't dance. Like, all my friends could dance better than me. And I was like, man, like... So when I got to school, I was like kind of like one of the better dancers. So everybody was hyping me up. So then I developed <laughs> my dancing skills. So now I would say I'm, I'm a pretty good dancer. So in the same way that you kind of doubled down and we're like, I'm going to commit to being the best soccer player I can be. Same with being a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could argue that, definitely. <laughs> While this is a draft recap, Hannah had a really funny and interesting discussion with Ziara King on the three must-haves that she has in her soccer bag at all times. You got to listen to this. Check it out. Oh, number one. I don't know if you're superstitious or what, but... Chapstick. Chapstick. Always. You always got to have chapstick. I don't know if you've been to the exhibit hall or... Everyone's given out free chapstick that's this year. I haven't, but I'm going <laughs> to... See? That's the wave. You always got to have chapstick. Um, oh, what else? Uh, backup cleats, for sure. Always got to have a backup. And what else? Hmm. I don't know. What is my third essential? I guess for traveling, I would say my Uno cards. Uno, really? <laughs> okay, for our listeners, she just went into her purse and she pulled out her Let Uno cards. Let me tell cards. you, I because keep, we're going to she's going to the All America banquet, and you really never know. You, you, you don't know, but let me tell you, I keep my Uno cards on hand at all times. <laughs> Either that or like trouble. I always, I always keep a game on me. Wait, that's so fun and so. This is like the most fun fact about you right now. You yes. Just, like so, sometimes if there's just a lulling conversation, I'll be like, "You guys want to yeah, play?" Yeah. So Uno? y'all trying to play some Uno or what? Oh my! <laughs> I know I'm out of control. That's so. Well, for long bus rides, you must. Everyone must be like huddled around you. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. I try. I try and keep so keep it fun. So. That's going to be, so you're going to do that at Utah, too. I hope so. If if people want to play, I mean, (laughs) I can't play by myself. So hopefully, you know, people like Uno. That's awesome. As we continue to take a look um, at some other major moves from the draft, I think the major deal that really shocked everyone was the Washington Spirit trading Mallory Pugh to Sky Blue FC. Now, the Spirit would use that pick to take Ashley Sanchez, and there was a whole lot of drama involving Ashley Sanchez because there were rumors that Lyon were actually in the picture to sign her and take her to France. Sanchez was taking a while to sign, had yet to sign her contract since the draft, but this past week she did. So Sky Blue really, really did a phenomenal job building through the draft this year. On top of that, they also added Eveline Viennes, one of the best strikers out of Canada out of U- and, and out of the University of South Florida. So when you look at overall what Sky Blue is able to do, a lot of the credit has to go to Elise LeHue, the general manager, someone else who Hannah also got the opportunity to speak with during the convention. It was, again, a great interview. Here it is, guys. Have a listen. Enjoy. 
Elise LaHue had one of the better drafts as the GM for Sky Blue. Here are her thoughts on how she felt the draft went. I'm really, really, really tired, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, it's been a, not just draft day, but um, you know we have a lot of league meetings as well during the week. So um, just a very, very busy week. Um, but this draft in particular, with a lot of the new rules around the league and the allocation money, um, added in new opportunities for trades that we didn't necessarily have before. I think it was also a really unique draft in that it was incredibly talented across the board, but there didn't really seem to be a clear... Uh, you know, number one through 10 or even a number one through five. I think it really depended on team needs and what each individual team was looking for. So I think with that as well, every team was going to value each pick differently, um, which makes it really interesting in the trade market. So um, night before the draft, you know, I think Rory was still trying to call me at 1.30 in the morning. And then, you you know, you wake up at uh, 5.30 a.m. to a slew of te texts from some <laughs> other teams. And then conversations are still going on uh, two minutes or as uh, they're announcing the start of the draft. So um, absolutely hectic. But but what a great week for our league. Um, the amount of people that were in the room was tremendous. The, the spectacle of it all was really beautiful. I think the league has done a really great job of putting together a great event for fans as well and to make it feel really special so I hope those players took it all in and feel really good as they embark on their pro career. Sky Blue were in a completely different position than they were since Elise LeHue has taken over she's really helped turn things around and really change the overall situation here are her thoughts on what the club's goals are going into next year and what they have been doing in order to make the constant improvements that they've been making. It's a, it's a big question for a club like Sky Blue, I think, because we've certainly gone through a lot of transition. I, I came into this general manager role, it started on an interim basis, but I started a few days before the start of last season. So in 2019, it was really just hitting the ground in a sprint and having to go. Um, Tammy Murphy, one of Sky Blue's owners, came in. Um, we were sort of both new to the situation in those roles, and we really took a fine-tooth comb to the club and had to say, okay, what's going on here? What needs to be adjusted? What can we change? What can we improve? There was n no rock that we didn't kick over. We had to overturn everything and, and sort of start over in a lot of ways. Um, so last year for us, we, we set some basic goals of laying the foundation for the club, sort of just knocking the house over and rebuilding the foundation. Earning back the trust of fans was really, really important for us as well as part of that. Um, so I'd say just with those two pieces, that certainly was enough to just survive last season and get through it. But I'm really proud of the work we did to lay that foundation. And obviously coming into this year, I always said, we can't take any small steps. We have to take really big steps as a club. We're too far behind where the rest of the league is now, that now it's about taking big, dramatic leaps. I'm so grateful that the owners believed in that vision for this club and gave me the resources to go do that and continue to do so. Um, so I'm grateful to Tammy and the rest of the owners for that. Um, because without that support, you know, Sky Blue would be in the same situation again. So I hope I've been able to bring some visionary ideas to the club and be really dramatic about it, um, but also bring some transparency. I think that's something that fans, not just at Sky Blue, but amongst our league have really been missing. Um, so I hope I bring a little bit of transparency uh, to this role and uh, allow fans an inside glimpse into, you know, what it looks like to relay the foundation of a club and, and hopefully build it back up. And we're bringing a lot of new fans into the fray. And it's, it's just such an exciting time for us.
Lahieu also mentioned what it's like to be the GM at a club like Sky Blue, having previously worked in a startup-like environment before, and what it means to have done what she's done at Sky Blue currently. But yeah, I think this experience has been very, very different. I'm used to being in startup environments, but this had its own unique set of challenges. It definitely felt like a startup, but it was a startup that had to start way behind the starting line. You know, we had to rebuild some things and earn back trust and navigate the media. So I think with that being said, uh, in this short amount of time that Tammy and I have had to do that, um, I feel really proud about the progress. And I feel like based on fan response, we're heading in the right direction. Again, that was Elise LeHue, Sky Blue GM, who has done an incredible job the way that she has turned that entire ship around, trending in the right direction. If there was you know, any amount of awards that she would win, she would sweep all of the best executive awards because of what she has single-handedly be able to do. And I think what was so interesting about being able to talk with her, Hannah being able to talk with her was even despite having such a great draft, she maintained her composure, her emotions, was not too high, was not too low, was more so, as she mentioned, exhausted from the entire process of the draft, but really just an impressive, impressive uh, executive right now in the world of women's soccer. And Sky Blue is blessed to be able to have her because they have truly been able to build on something that she created she has instilled this new culture and it's only going to build it is only going to grow when you add players like a McCall Zerboni when you add a player like a Mallory Pugh it lets the rest of the team know that there is a certain amount of self-belief in all of them in that locker room that they are all going to be a part of the plan of one major important plan that is in put in place to help win a championship and Sky Blue haven't been that competitive in a while. They've been competitive, but they haven't been a playoff caliber team in quite some time. So this could be a big time year for Sky Blue coming up. Rain FC did not necessarily build through the draft as much, but to get Kelsey Hedge out of Santa Clara will really help their midfield. Not only that, but again, like I said, they did not build through the draft. They made a couple of nice trades as well you got Danny Weatherholt who I think is one of the more underrated players in the NWSL again Orlando just trading away assets left and right yes you get a second round pick in next year's draft but I think Danny Weatherholt is worth a little bit more than that considering the impact that she has as a veteran to me has real quality so I think that's huge for Rain FC to be able to bolster uh, that midfield that again Unfortunately, just didn't have that much depth when Jessica Fishlock went down. Next, they also signed Julia Ashley. Now, this was even more interesting because Julia Ashley apparently has not been doing all that great while playing abroad. So, what kind of player are Rain FC going to get? Now, if they can, you know get the absolute best out, which Rain FC are known for doing, right? We have spoken many a time, watching what they did with Casey Murphy, watching what they've done with Bethany Balser. If they can continually have maintain that culture that Vladko Andonovsky had when he left, and Julia Ashley develops, uh, it could be a steal. 
it could be a steal because we know the type of player that she was before she entered the draft. And if that kind of player with that relentless motor can be called upon, Rain FC are in a really, really good place uh, heading into next season. Now, Sky Blue may have had a great draft. Rain FC may have had a great draft. But the Chicago Red Stars always seem to build the right way. They didn't. Ha they stockpiled picks, traded down, kept trading down, and had a flawless draft. Got value at every single area. Added players like Julia Bingham out of USC, Zoe Morse, Virginia, Ella Stevens, Duke. You add some really good players from some really good teams who all shined in the college stage. So that'll make them feel a whole lot better about trading away Katie Naughton uh, to the Houston Dash. So you look at what they were able to do. Rory Dames um, really, and the rest of the organization, deserve a round of applause for what they were able to do. You, you trade Rachel Hill away and turn that into a first-round pick. A mass, Just a straight-up master class from the Red Stars. They have once again proven that they are not playing around. They are in it really, truly looking to push the North Carolina Courage and looking to end this stranglehold that they have on the NWSL. So the Red Stars are going to be a very, very fun team to watch moving forward going into next year. In terms of teams that did not get it right during the draft, we know Orlando, uh, for whatever reason, just can't. Um, hasn't quite figured out the correct process yet. They stockpiled picks this year, but you look at everyone that they took, it, it was pretty much a reach. It, it's one thing to identify players that you may or may not like, but part of the strategy of the draft is to look to get them as late as you possibly can, right? Because you want to get value out of those picks. You can't just reach for whoever you think is going to. You just, that, that, there's a lot of. Uh, self-belief in that Orlando scouting department to where they truly believe that whatever it is that they are doing is the correct decision. So we are going to have to see how this works out for Orlando. Houston, as well, has plenty of weaknesses. They traded for Katie Naughton. Uh, they did trade for Katie Stengel. Uh, but again, to have the defensive issues that they have had, they were great players. Chicago seemingly took all the great defensive players. Houston could have gone in that direction, went with two more attackers. Hopefully uh, it, it works out for them. Again, you're still trying to replace that Kaylee Ojai level of production. So we'll see if that works out for the Houston Dash coming up in this season. Overall, it was an amazing draft, and when the first round was as exciting as it was, it's only going to add to the buzz and the attention around the league, the amount of movement, teams trading up and down, star players being moved. It sets things up for an amazing year. April is around the corner, guys. We're, you know, February, March, April, two months away from another NWSL season. It might be the most competitive season we have had since it was created, since it was formed, so... When it when teams make moves like these, it really goes to show that things are looking to change. 
we're, we're as long as the league continues to evolve, right, and the game continues to evolve on the women's side, it is going to be huge, so huge for the league, and we cannot wait until April. All right, the other major event in the in the world of women's soccer is the U.S. Women's National Team. Of course, there is Olympic qualifying going on around the world. The W League is on a bit of a break currently because the Matildas are in Olympic qualifying in the Asiatic, Asiatic region. The U.S. Women's National Team, of course, is playing in CONCACAF, where we all know their competition is not the best. Uh, you're looking at three group games. You're looking at three group games against Haiti, Panama, and then coming up against Costa Rica. When you look at how they've done through the first two games, it didn't look great against Haiti in the first half. The fact that it was only 1-0 and could have been 1-1 was a a little surprising. Lynn Williams looked fantastic playing in the W League. She is so exciting to watch and clearly had no rust to worry about. She was very much fresh while everyone uh, was taking some time off, and rightfully so. Uh, but Lynn Williams looking great out there. They beat Haiti 4-0 and then absolutely demolished Panama, who for whatever reason are using the one strategy that you cannot afford to use against a team like the United States. Even against Coast, even Costa Rica was able to bypass that offside, uh, offside trap, excuse me, and the U.S. women's national team is way too fast for you to be playing that high line. They have way too much guile, timing in their runs, in their movement. And the second, you know, you get it wrong on the offside, you're essentially leaving world-class players one-on-one with the keeper. And that's what it was. They they had pretty much 30 shots. And for whatever reason, in the first 10 minutes of the second half, they simply could not score. But... Very encouraging to see a different lineup from Vladko Antonovsky in the second matchup. Andy Sullivan in the heart of the park with Lindsey Horan looking absolutely fantastic. J-Mac contributed to the cause. I don't even think Ashlyn Harris had her name called during the broadcast. That's how little she had to do. So they looked much, much better in the second game against Panama and were able to show a different side to them in terms of how they can dominate offensively when given the opportunity. In their final group stage match against Costa Rica, they did look even better, scoring six goals. Again, it was their B team, so they were resting players like Rocky Rodriguez and Shirley Cruz getting ready for their semifinal match against Canada. But the United States still looking very, very impressive. And what's so refreshing is seeing how Vladko is still mixing up the lineups as I mentioned earlier he is truly going to change the way we think about the U.S. women's national team Kristen Press continues to make the best possible case for her to be in the starting lineup because of how well she played against Costa Rica and again in the semi-final matchup against Mexico an impressive 4-0 win Press came in off the bench and provided a beautiful chip. Sam Mewis scored twice. Rose Lavelle scored a cracking, cracking goal. So overall, the United States are in a great, great position heading into the final against Canada. Now, Canada's path has been a little different. They started incredibly hot, scoring 11 against St. Kitts and Nevins and then 9 against Jamaica. So you're talking about 20 goals in two games. 
That's a ridiculous start to the tournament. They've faded a little bit, though, as the tournament has gone on, likely because their depth has been tested against better, more defensive-minded outfits. You're looking at Mexico, 2-0 in the final group stage game, where they may or may not have been resting starters. And then in the semis against Costa Rica, it was most certainly a nervy, nervy affair. Took them till about the 73rd minute to get the winner through Jordan Haitema. I hope I said that right. Seven goals this tournament. She is going to be the major key, the X factor for Canada going into that final against the United States because of what she does. And her overall game as a true number nine striker who can score goals from in and around the box, a, a, a true goal poacher as well as the ability to head the ball. She's going to pose some interesting problems for the United States back line who were finally tested somewhat against Mexico. Mexico actually created a couple of half chances. Alyssa Nair actually had to make a save or two. So if Mexico is able to create chances, you're going to have to think that Canada is going to have to create chances as well. But with that being said... The United States women's national team is in the Olympics. It is official. Their tickets have been punched to Tokyo. And for them to potentially go on and make history, right, to be the first team to win the World Cup and then go on to win the Olympics, uh, Ali Wagner mentioned it on the broadcast, this is the team that could get it done, again, with the amount of depth, how well they are playing as a team right now. Got to give a quick shout-out to Crystal Dunn as well, making her 100th cap one of those incredibly versatile players who can simply do it all for her country and the consummate professional has never once complained about her role knows that she can impact the game in many different ways she has been solid as ever uh, for the last couple years at that position despite being tested in the way that she's been tested so it's going to be a very very fun matchup between the United States women's national team and Canada heading into Sunday's matchup we will see how it goes Again, we expect the U.S. to get the job done, get the win, uh, because they don't usually lose to Canada. But this is a different Canada team who, again, are always looking to prove that they are amongst the elite. And they will have another opportunity to do that in Carson, California. So that will be a very fun matchup to watch coming up on Sunday. All right, guys, that is all that we have for episode 31. We hope you enjoyed Thank you so, so much for tuning in and giving us all the support that you can possibly give us. Every download, everything helps. Subscribe, share this show as often as you possibly can. We also have a donations link that we have been sharing. If you like what we do and you want to contribute a little bit to our cause, then please, by all means, a penny, a dollar, it does not matter. It would anything, any kind of contribution would be greatly appreciated. Again, this is episode 31 of Give and Go. I am your host, Rotas Wadera. And don't forget, for all the latest women's soccer news, analysis, lifestyle content, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. Check us out on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network or on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. Thanks again, guys. Peace out.